1: So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending
0: with Timory on Relevant Radio. It's a feast day of St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, also known as St. Edith Stein. She died in Auschwitz during World War II and we're going to unpack a little bit of her story but in particular her writings later today during the show. She was a philosopher, a phenomenologist. She went from being Jewish to agnostic to Catholic to becoming a religious sister, a nun in the Catholic faith and then dying again, Auschwitz during World War II. And her writings are so poignant in this century as well as in the last century, as she wrote tremendously on the topic of women, in particular diving into what does it mean to be a woman? How can we look at this philosophically? And how can we dive into the theology of maleness and femaleness. And so we'll unpack a little bit of what it means to be a woman, as well as differences between man and woman in our vocation. Her writing is beautiful. You'll not be bored by this saint and even some of the controversial things uh, that she has to say about who we are as women and men. You're listening to Trending with Murray here on Relevant Radio. Joining me now is Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. He has been known in the past as a top law enforcement trainer here in the United States. His Writings are required reading for the military. Uh, He has written a number of books, including the book Assassination Generation, uh, that talks about the impact of video games, media, violent television, and the connection to aggression, and the psychology of killing, and the connection in our society. Today we're going to talk about why there's been an increase in aggression and bad behavior among children, and we'll talk about the psychological impact, tying that into video games, TVs and screens, but we'll also talk about solutions—not just the problem, but what we can do about it—to have better-behaved children who are happier and performing better academically. I think this is what most people want for their kids: to be happy, perform well academically, and. In- to be well-behaved. Well, what's getting in the way of that? We're going to touch at the heart of this today, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. I highly recommend his book, Assassination Generation. We'll post a link now on social media. Just follow me at timmerie that's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E, for more information on my guest as well as his book. Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, welcome back to Trending.
1: Hello, Timmerie. Always good to be on board with you and your wonderful listeners out there. And This is such an important topic.
0: Let's talk a little bit about it because you have researched heavily into the aggression going on in society today. You've been one of the top uh, responders when it's come to the issue of mass shootings, especially in our schools. Uh, But not everyone's necessarily dealing with a mass shooting in their school, but they may be dealing with bad behavior with their children, whether it be a teenage boy who's been aggressive or checked out, uh, a young eight, nine-year-old boy who is having tantrums over many things including technology there are a lot of things that could be discussed but can you touch on what you've seen in your research that's at the heart of the psychology of the crisis of aggression and bad behavior in kids today
1: you know Timory, it, it's really important to note that uh, hollywood television movies operated by code all the way through the 30s and 40s uh, 50s right into the very early 60s and the code was very straightforward. It said, we understand the stories we tell have an impact on our society. Now think about that. They knew they were having an impact. And they said, we understand we have a responsibility to tell stories that will have a positive impact. And a lot of the code could be said in three words, crime doesn't pay. Criminals will not be depicted in a positive manner. Law enforcement will not be depicted in a negative manner. And, 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 and they knew that they were having this influence and they knew they had a responsibility to have a positive influence. And then in the early 1960s, they threw the code away and they say, we refuse to accept any responsibility for the stories we tell. Now, a 32nd commercial is worth vast amounts of money, a 32nd commercial will have millions of children begging their parents for a brand of cereal but the hours and days and weeks and months and years of garbage in between has no impact on your child. That's their lie. And, 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 and this, is, this is the big lie, and it's so profound that the commercials are worth vast amounts of money. We know how they impact our children. We know they're big for toys and they're big for cereal, and yet all of this stuff in between the commercials has no impact. And this is this sinful, evil well, world that we turn our children over to. And it's, a, it's an inside-out world in which good is bad and bad is good. And kind of to begin at that, you know, we can go all the way back, but just the video games are so addictive. We're biologically primed to seek survival data. And violence is survival data. But when you're actively engaging in violence, the, the child's body treats it like it's real. They go into fight-or-flight mode. and And then when you turn it off, they, they're, they're going through withdrawal symptoms. So fight-or-flight hormones are flushing out of their brains. It takes about two days to fully detox from violent media, violent television, violent movies, violent video games in particular. They, it, you've got this hormonal adjustment in your body to a fight-or-flight environment. When that happens, logical, rational, predictive left-brain processing is shut down. When you're desperately fighting for your life, where your meal comes from tomorrow isn't even on your radar screen. So you asked the kid, you said, don't you understand? If you don't do your homework, you, you, you're, you're going to get in trouble. No, he doesn't understand. Left brain processing is shut down. He's in fight or flight survival mode. And it takes about two days for those fight or flight hormones to flush out. You know, uh, church camps uh, nationwide tell me, Nothing spiritual happens in this camp for the first two days. They're going through withdrawal symptoms. They're, they're, they're miserable. On the third day, it's like somebody threw a switch. Suddenly, they're different children. I'm, all your listeners out there, your children will bless you for the television they didn't watch, the video game they didn't play. No adult has ever said, I curse my parents for the television I couldn't watch. No adult has ever said, I curse my parents for the video games I couldn't play. They would say, I bless my parents because they'd they kick me out the door and maybe get a light. Maybe, you know, when the street lights came on is when we came back inside. And you don't understand how intensely systematically addictive the cell phones and the the video games and the TV shows have become. And this violence is tapping into a biological need. And so they can't turn it off. They've got to watch it, they've got to interact with it, they've got to become part of it adults are being destroyed by these games children are being eaten alive and and we just got to turn around and as you said there there are solution strategies in in the book uh, assassination generation we got the website uh, take the challenge now.org uh, and, and it's a tv turn off curriculum that an entire school district k through 12 school district upstate michigan put the curriculum in place and uh, and cut violence in half, cut bullying in half, and raise test scores double digits.
0: Wow, that's incredible. And I want to dive more into the Take the Challenge now in a little bit. But coming back to something you said, you mentioned that we're wired to seek out survivor data, um, that violent um, kind of content of what's happening. Can you explain a little bit more of this?
1: Well, as human beings, you know, we were not We are not placed on this earth with claws or fangs. Our survival tool is our brain. And our great advantage is that we can learn from other people's experience. So when people are engaged in violent behavior, as long as you're not immediately personally threatened, your survival demands that you watch. You know, what's the one thing on a highway other than a cop guaranteed to slow everybody down a wreck? We've got to watch it. The worse the wreck, the more we're drawn to it. And on the playground, the one thing that draw every kid like a magnet is a fight. They'll fight to see a fight. So this violence, it's, and what, what has happened is in a healthy environment, you might not see violent behavior You know, w- once in a year. Some fistfight might be the worst you ever see in a normal, healthy life. But now the media has fed us a steady stream of this stuff because it is the addictive ingredient. And your children become sullen and surly. They're being fed negative role models. They're being taught to take pleasure from human death and suffering. And it feeds the bullying behavior. Uh, in healthy play, kittens and puppies wrestle. When one of the puppies gets hurt, our, our, our mama comes and checks up on it. Uh, as soon as somebody's hurt, the play stops. We, we all played toy guns. Bang, bang, I got you. No, you didn't. You smack with your cap and it leaves a mark and he cries. Everybody gather around the hurt kid <laughs> and try to convince him not to tell mom. In healthy play, one of somebody gets hurt, the play stops. A basketball game, a football game, one of the players get hurt, the fans go silent, the play stops. In the video mm-hmm. games, you inflict vivid depictions of suffering on your playmates. They beg for mercy, they, they bleed, going. and they run in pain, mm-hmm. and you get points. This is pathological mm-hmm. play, dysfunctional play that's teaching mm-hmm. and rewarding bullying behavior to our children. And then when you turn these games off, they go through withdrawal symptoms and you say, look at you. And it's so important to say, look what you're doing right now. This is the video game. This is not you. We turn that thing off and look how you're acting right now. It's so important to make them aware. And then we give the games back. They get sullen and surly. We take them away. They improve. After a couple of rides on the roller coaster, they say, keep those games away from me. I don't like who I am when I play those games. And we've heard that over and over again. Keep those games away from me. I don't like who I am, am when I play those games. Mm-hmm. But they'll mm-hmm. never know there could be another person that that there's another them if you never turn it off and take them away from that and detox them from that. So it's so important for parents to protect right. their children from violent visual imagery, and then to go ahead and detox him. Now the other great need mm. is. Fed and I just want to speak briefly
0: because I want to come to that need, but. I like what you said here that when the kids recognize what it's like to not use the video games and to know themselves not using them, they often like it. Uh, And I even think, you know, I didn't grow up with video games. We very briefly had computer games in our house and I knew what it was like to not use computer games and what i was like when i wasn't playing video games and i knew what it was like when i did play computer games and it was a very ugly mean grumpy angry version of myself and i saw the same thing happen with my brother we didn't have video games in our house in the brief stints where we had maybe a computer game we knew and saw the difference and were part of, along with my parents, that self-regulation. I was saying, you know, that's not really something I want to do because it doesn't uh, produce any happiness or good behavior. But the problem is, is that people don't know the difference. And that's why these detoxes are so important. I want to come back to that in just a little bit. But you said another really important thing that you wanted to mention was what?
1: Also, we're social animals and we deeply crave, we need biological, we, we need group acceptance. And so that's fed with the cell phone. When people are liking, you know, when you're on social media, when people are liking what you do, you get an endorphin rush So we know. Teenage girls are desperately, desperately in need of affirmation and, and group dynamics and mean girl dynamics comes into play. We don't realize how these cell phones are feeding that the industry is, is feeding off this biological need for reassurance, you know, in, in nature, one human being by themselves in the jungle is cat food. You know, a group of human beings Mm -hmm. with spears is the alpha predator anywhere on the planet. So we have this biological need to be part of a group and to be rejected from the group is one of the most most horrendous things that could occur to anyone, because to be rejected from the group in nature is death, you know, that I'm on my own trying to survive in the wilderness. So this 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 need for acceptance is being fed with the with the social media and with the cell phones. So these biological needs for survival data, this biological need for social acceptance is being manipulated to make these cell phones so addictive. Uh, another resource you and I both have talked about before is or I'm sorry, screenstrong.com. Melanie hemp and screenstrong.com screen s-c-r-e-e-n-s-t-r-o-n-g.com and screenstrong.com is really good about talking about these cell phones that are so addictive and how we need to detox, how the social media can be addictive, how the video games are addictive, but these, these God given biological dynamics of a need for to be part of a group, this God given biological dynamic for to be wary of danger in our environment. Is being manipulated against us to make these addictive substances the video games the cell phones the social media being fed to our children and then we add the ingredient of sleep deprivation because that part of that whole package is this sleep deprivation even even when you turn it off and send them to bed the fight or flight hormones are flushing through their bodies and they're not getting good quality sleep but most often they're up all night on their cell phone Text messaging uh, uh, and sleep deprivation is a key factor in suicide and traffic deaths, two major killers for our kids that have exploded Mm -hmm. in recent years. You know, Facebook will never say you've been online for 36 hours. You need to get some sleep now. They'll never do that. They'll let you. They want you to do it until you die. The video game will never say you've been playing this game for 48 hours now. You need to get some sleep. They'll never say that. Uh, My little nephew committed suicide for years we mm. said why there's so no sorry. there's no note there's no trauma well he locked himself in his bedroom and played the new video game for oh. for for 4 days straight and mm. and when we when we looked at the sleep deprivation when we said was he sleep deprived boom it was it just staring in our face mm. that you know he'd, locked, he'd no 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 trauma in his life no note but he locked himself in the room and after 4 days of playing video games and sleep deprivation and the game, he, he kills himself. So this is the link between sleep deprivation and traffic deaths exploded around the world. Suicides exploded around the world at every age group. This is the kind of thing that it all joins in with this pathological dynamic. And and the head of Netflix said that their number one competitor was not other online, online providers. Their number one competitor was sleep. The corporate policy of Netflix is to steal your sleep. They'll never say you've been binge watching this show for 36 hours. So you, need to, you need to go to sleep now. They'll never say you've been on social media for 48 hours. You need to go to sleep. They'll never say that. They will, And they're feeding this to our children. It's not right. like they're doing this to adults. We say in my book about how they fought all the way to the Supreme Court to sell any game to any kid at any age. They're feeding off at children. And that's the great horror of what's happening out there.
0: And many people say, you know, these are scare tactics. My kid's using video games to socialize, especially with the social dimension of video games today, as well as social media. People or parents don't want their children to be isolated or themselves to be isolated. And yet the data is clear. And I love Melanie Hempy at ScreenStrong.com, who you mentioned very often, uh, because she talks about the research. We have, you know, Dr. Nicholas Carderis, Melanie Hempy yourself, Dr. Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, um, and others, Dr. Leonard Sachs, who all point to the data that's very clear that even the idea of 30 minutes a day on screen time for fun time uh, is actually harmful, that it needs to be under that and doesn't have to be that 25 or 30 minutes. And what you're talking about points to the crisis in the culture from the sleep deprivation, the aggression, the drug use to help treat the sleep deprivation from the chronic pain, which I know you often speak uh, very commonly of. Uh, But one thing I can't remember, was it you, Lieutenant Colonel, who uh, had actually been called in by the military for a high number of infant deaths due uh, to the fact that the parents uh, the fathers when they were home with the children were neglecting the children and uh, the babies were dying because these fathers were playing their video games for long periods of time
1: no that wasn't me called into the military i think that's fascinating i could see them doing that yeah i was contacted by a detective a child crime detective, and she was, you know, she came up to me during one of my presentations, and she was in tears. She said, in the last six months, I've had five cases where where fathers and boyfriends have murdered babies because they were screaming babies interrupting yes. their video games. Yes. Uh, yeah. in, in one case, they, the, 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 the boyfriend said that he dropped the baby, and, uh, and the mother bought it until they showed her where they... they peeled back the poor little baby's, the dead baby's uh, scalp and the imprint in the skull of the base of a video game player that had been slammed into the baby's skull and caved Mm -hmm. in the baby's skull. And she was just in tears at how many times Mm -hmm. she keeps running into the same thing Mm -hmm. uh, across. This is in the central Illinois region. How many times these boyfriends, these these. These young fathers, uh, the video games have been interrupted. They're in fight or flight mode. The hormones are flooding mm-hmm. through their body. The crying baby, even for somebody healthy, right. <laughs> a crying baby is, is, is a tremendous stressor. <laughs> when we when right. we add the sleep deprivation and, and the violence enabling dynamics going on with these video games, the combination is is tragic. And I could mm-hmm. see the military... Right. calling someone in to help with that I I was right. not aware of it and uh I I shouldn't think that's that that was worthy to have had on your show I'm, it wasn't me
0: right it, I believe it was dr Nicholas Cardera she shared this recently on the show with us that you know the military's trying to keep it quiet they have a very very high number of again just like you said and not just in the military but in the secular world as well where these infants are dying because the fight or flight hormones going the baby screaming it's a disruption and this is how serious it is and this is where we're talking about a problem in childhood that seemingly is coming out as aggression not performing necessarily as well as they could perform but I want to come back talking about the solutions about good stories of what happens when you transition what happens when you limit or eliminate video games potentially so we'll be back with Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman he's been known as the top law enforcement trainer in the United States in the past his writing has been required reading for the military. You can check out his book, Assassination Generation, explaining the link between aggression and the psychology of killing, especially in high schools today. I'll be right back with Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman here on Trending with Timmery. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timmery on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, known as St. Edith Stein, uh, died during World War II in Auschwitz. She has an incredible story. She was a phenomenologist, a philosopher. She went from Judaism to agnosticism to Catholicism and becoming a religious sister. Today's her feast day. We're going to dive into her writings and her life to talk about what does it mean to be a woman, and what are the differences between men and women? Joining me now is Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. He is has been known as the top law enforcement trainer in the United States. His writing is required writing for the military, uh, diving into the topic of the psychology of killing. He's been a psychology professor at West Point. His book that is at the heart of so much of what we're talking about today is Assassination Generation. It's a very important book, especially if you're a parent or someone working with, children, understanding what's behind the aggression or even the mass shootings. You know, we all might not experience mass shootings in schools, but we do see a lot of aggression in children and suicidality. And we want to see a happier place for kids. And so to talk about how to change the tide, we've discussed the role that video games and social media and screen time and violent television has had on kids and how it's led to much of the crisis in our culture. But I want to talk about the solution. In your book, Lieutenant Colonel Assassination Generation, you have a whole chapter focused on the solutions, uh, how to find happier, uh, better performing children academically, better behaved children. What are some of those solutions to change the tide of what's happening today?
1: Well, you know, I think the beginning is to explain to the kids the problem. And explain to the parents right up front. You know, one thing here all the time. I played all those games. I'm not a killer. And what I tell people is, and and this is really lays a foundation. with, I tell people, when I was a kid, I never buckled my seatbelt, and I'm just fine. Every single kid I know, as we were growing up in the '60s, nobody buckled their seatbelt. We were all just fine. I, I don't know a single kid that died because his seatbelt wasn't buckled. But now I'm a cop, and I'm a police trainer, and and, uh, and you don't have to scrape too many kids off the highway before you become a believer in, in seatbelts. Not not one in a million kids today is going to die when their seatbelts unbuckle. That's one too many. And, and the thing is, most of these kids won't become killers, but all the killers played these video games. All the killers had this one common form in common. But what they do become is they become bullies. They become sleep deprived. They become sullen and surly. And. And, and we've got to be aware of that when you detox that kid and you said, look at you, this is the video game doing this. This is not you. Look how you're behaving and, and make them self-aware as a parent. Be tuned into that when we detox them. So the first thing is just to overcome that denial, you know, that, you know, maybe it's the, the husbands. I played those games. I'm OK. You know, that, that it, it, it's like seatbelts. It's a risk factor. It's a foolish risk factor. And we outline in the book in, in the in 2005 the state of california overwhelmingly voted to regulate children's access to violent video games The data was that powerful the home of hollywood the home of silicon valley california overwhelmingly voted to regulate children's access to violent video games arnold schwarzenegger was governor Arnold signed the law. He said, I make violent movies. I protect my children from the movies. I particularly want to protect them from these violent video games. Although back in 2005, the data was that strong. This industry has had a disinformation campaign going on decade after decade, but the data was there. And the video game industry fought all the way to the Supreme Court to sell any game to any kid at any age. And that's in the book. So understand that that California knew that data was there. The home of Hollywood, the home of Silicon Valley overwhelmingly voted to regulate children's access. The data is that powerful and the need to protect our children is that strong. And it lays this foundation. Not every kid that plays a game becomes a killer, but all these mass murderers played the games and all of them watched some movie 50 times. This products of this sick, sick culture that we're feeding our children. Maybe your kid will just be sleep deprived. Maybe we have a traffic accident. Maybe you'll be suicidal. Maybe, maybe your, 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 uh, your, your kid will, will not get the grades they ought to have and be, you know, be sullen and surly and uncommunicative. That, But maybe your kid will be a bully. And maybe you can stop that right now by taking this these these murder simulators where you're rewarded for making people suffer and, and given condition rewarded uh, for 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 inflicting suffering on others. Take that out of their life and make them a better human being. So so the first step then is that, uh, that take the challenge now dot uh, org uh, TV turn off curriculum. It's it's a K through 12 curriculum. It's available online right now. A, a, a school district, a K through 12 school district, upstate in Michigan, put together a curriculum, did a 10-day detox, and they did controlled double-blind observation of playground and cafeteria behavior. So they had moms who volunteered to be in the cafeteria, be in the playground, and record behavior. Now they didn't know if this is a group of kids that were doing the turnoff or not. Uh, it was, they didn't know, and so uh, uh, they were out in the playground, and, and they were horrified at the play that was taking place. Mothers wanted to intervene. You know, they had, there had there been an episode of the of the the, the Living Dead had been uh, uh, had had been on the night before, and 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 they dragged a body and they kicked the body, and so. There they were in the playground dragging this kid and the others are kicking this kid. And the mother says, hey, we need to intervene. We, we need to stop this. This is bad. So we did this controlled double-blind observation of, of playground and cafeteria behavior. And the ones who were in the middle of the detox had, and, and bullying was counted as, as verbal aggression, actually. And, and, and then physical aggression was counted with actual physical contact. And they, they had some good little rule of thumb dynamics to separate them, but what they were able to demonstrate was the schools and different schools put it in place at different times. Later, they got really good at detoxing the week before their standardized testing. To detox the kids the week before standardized testing, they did this amazing the kids weren't sleep deprived, the kids were weren't weren't, weren't being bullied, they they they. Uh, the fight or flight almost a flush out of their brain. Of course, they're going to do better. And state standardized testing skyrocketed. They also had a a juvenile uh, confinement institute, uh, uh, a basically juvenile prison, and they did that that turnoff there, and were demonstrated the same thing: cut violence in half, cut bullying in half, and race test scores double digits. Uh, so That's incredible. The dynamics are there. Yeah, and and That's the curriculum's incredible. online.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this is incredible. And, what, and it's as simple as detox your kid from violent video games, violent movies, you know, the the context and we could talk about it more in depth, but you mentioned as well, you know, the same thing for the girls. It's different for the boys with the video games than for the girls with the social media, but many similar uh, challenges are occurring for these two groups. And just to emphasize what your research is showing, you talk about this in Assassination Generation, the areas where this has been done. Playground aggression halves. Aggressive behavior cuts in half. Classroom be- bad behavior is halved. You know, we see all of these examples where the fruit of not using video games is leading to kids performing better academically, behaving better with peers, with adults, doing better on standardized testing. And so this resource, take the challenge we posted a link on social media, take the challenge now.net. You can check out the program. And what's amazing, Lieutenant Colonel, can you speak a little bit to how it's actually designed for different grades? You know, it's not just a total detox and you just don't use the media, but it, it's age appropriate. Uh, even for example, middle schoolers, you talk about how the middle school kids will do research where the, maybe they object to this detox and they start to research it and have to write a paper and they realize, oh, wow, I'm actually convinced because the dad is there. This isn't good for me.
1: You know, it's, it, and the curriculum is, again, a through K-12 curriculum. Uh, that one year will be science-focused and then the next year will be math-focused. The next year's history of social studies-focused. So it's different every year. Uh, and some brilliant educators put it together. Uh, it's been available online for for well over a decade now. It's just just sitting there chugging away and providing resources on this this turnoff dynamic. Uh, it's uh, 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 just a bunch of brilliant educators put it together and made it available and demonstrate what can be done. It, it's uh, it, it's so hard to sustain it without the support of the parents. And that's where your show comes in that's where melanie Himp's, uh, uh you know screenstrong dot comes in to come at this from different directions but the first foundation is that the parents have to realize the problem and then to detox a kid and watch this behavior roller coaster you know I don't like who I am when I play those games keep those games away from me after a couple of rides on that roller coaster you can really begin to work together on this with our grandchildren you know we'd say uh, Look, this is this is the video game doing this. You know, all we did was ask you to turn off the game for a few minutes and look how you're acting. This is not you. This is this is this is not normal. This is the games doing this to you. And and there's a better person inside there. We want that person there. We want we want to be able to work with that. So this uh, there's so many uh, attendant pathologies again coming with it. The sleep uh, deprivation dynamic that's that's so toxic just goes away when when they no longer have the fight or flight hormones flooding through them, the addictive response, when they, you know, they, they play until the street lights come on and then they come in when, when the school district and upstate Michigan was putting it in place, they did a lot of activities in the school in the evening. They had a, they had a school district in Wyoming. They put it in place. And, uh, and this, this, the, uh, it was K through 12 school detox for 10 days. It was in like January, which is when their test week was ha- taking place. And uh, and the student government asked to do it again the next year in the spring when the weather was good so that they could do more outdoor activity. They wanted to do <laughs> it again. That. They want to do in the spring. They wanted the outdoor activities. So, you know, it, kids don't know how to play games outside. They don't know how to play hide and seek. They don't know how to play freeze tag. They don't know how to play, uh, you know, Red Rover. They, they, these games... That have been lost, you know. I, I used to tell my audiences, you know, uh, ollie the income free," you know, "All ye, all ye, income free." When's the last time we talked like that? You know, yeah, two hundred years ago, that's all Oli, income free" has been passed from child to child, generation after generation, and now it's dead. It's lost. A generation of children that have never played hide and seek—they don't know how to. So the schools were teaching them, and the, and the teachers had little you know, one teacher was a rock collector. Another teacher was, uh, you know, it, it was, uh, was into archery and they would do little, they'd have little things in the evenings. And, and the children got to know the teachers as people, as human beings who had hobbies and who, who taught and talked to them about what their delights were and their hobbies were. We We've always dreamed of some Christian school, just picking up and running with this, some homeschool program, just grabbing it and running with it. It's sitting there online. It's been used again at different uh, different school districts at different times, and it goes in place. It does well, but it's, it's so hard to sustain it because the parents uh, uh, aren't aware of what's being achieved mm-hmm. and what we're doing and, and to sustain it. That's why I, I, I love Melanie Himpy's program. With yes. a ScreenStrong.com, in a, in conjunction with this, she's focused on the families and, the, and the, the health issues and the addictive dynamics. And you tie it into this TV turnoff curriculum and something very powerful can be done.
0: And I love, too, when you look at Melanie Hempy's work, it helps you to understand, okay, we have been led to believe that the idea that, well, if my kid's playing video games, they're at least safe and inside and I don't have to worry about watching them. But it's quite the opposite it's leading to the aggressive behavior it's leading to the apathy in life uh, the surliness suicidality all of what you mentioned but also you know we've lost that generational uh, attitude you know i used to be outside and playing and roaming around and uh, hiking out in the forest for hours at a time and then come back home and there was that level of responsibility and trust and knowledge of strangers and how to handle myself uh, in a way that we've lost today lieutenant colonel
1: yeah. And again, no, no child has ever said, I cursed my parents for the TV. I couldn't watch I, We've got a section in the book there when, you know, kids talked about how their, their dad on the first day of summer, cut the power cord I and mean, just cut the cord uh, <laughs> for the television and kicked him out the door on the first day of summer and said, don't come back till the street lights come on, you know, and, and, and how they, how blessed they were. And, uh, and, and w- 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 what a beautiful thing we've given them. There's a, there's another book that's a real favorite of ours, The Read Aloud Book. And it's such a beautiful, beautiful book. It begins with a poem about how blessed I was to have a mother who read to me. And uh, this book we we recommend as part of the curriculum. It's um, the author is uh, Tim Trelease, and it's The Read Aloud Book. It's a, a million copy bestseller. Uh, it just is beautiful. And, you know, when we turn off TV, Think of the things that we're turning on and and the the, the beautiful on this. So here's here's a poem by uh, Strickland Gilliam, The Reading Mother. It says, You may have tangible wealth untold caskets of jewels and coffers of gold richer than I. You can never be. I had a mother who read to me and 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 that's that's the opening of this book, the read aloud book. I, I read to my uh, my three sons and now my my grandchildren, and, uh, my oldest grandsons in the military and in, engaged or maybe a great grandfather in the blink of an eye. And one of the things we try to do is read to them every night and uh, and and own that time. You know, when we turn off the TV, what do we turn on? The written word the, the mm-hmm. books, the, the richness. And and it begins with uh, with instead of watching TV and then kicking them off to bed when the hormones are pumping through their body. You hold right. them close and you read to them for that last half hour. Mm-hmm. And what a blessing you give to them for parents to own that last half hour. All of the things being equal, what you do in the last half hour is what you dream about. And what you dream about appears to be what we process into long-term memory. So mm-hmm. as a parent, your child could have a terrible day. If you own that last half hour, bring them in close Read to them. We read through all the Narnia books a chapter at a time and all the Oz books and other books And right up until my kids were, you know, middle teenage years. I was still reading to them for a half an hour every night.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, I, a lot of things went wrong. I was military. I was gone so much. But I worked late hours, but I, I owned that last half hour and we limited their media. And, and our grandson, uh, when he was born, we, we cut a deal with the kids that they would keep him media free and we would donate to his college fund well he just chipped it tapped into that college fund now two years ago got two years of college and then enlisted but uh uh, he was uh he went to a daycare and they had a tv hour at daycare and his parents said our grandson's you know parents said uh, we want to keep him media free so they put him in a high chair looking out the window with crayons while everybody else was watching tv he was happy as a little clam sitting in a high chair looking out the window at the world go by with his little crayons and he was just happy little clam that's fantastic what a reader what an amazing reader he is now how he grew up just embracing books and reading and doing so well in school and you know what a blessing we gave him and by encouraging that with our children and Mm -hmm. and you know now you know hopefully as a Father, he'll be even more inclined to support that same behavior with his children and in their future, our great-grandchildren mm-hmm. of you know, that next generation. So I love as that parents, we've uh, we, we got so much that we can do to, mm-hmm. to enrich their youth. Let them be children while they're children. Let them have yes. a childhood. Uh, a video game, a cell phone, that is not a childhood. You know, when watching TV all the time, that's not childhood. Let them have a childhood. Uh, and, and they will bless you as adults. Uh, for for this this mm. opportunity to have truly had a, a childhood
0: yes and you bring up you know reading i remember my mom read to us every day growing up as kids into you know i think that those middle school years and i still heard as she was reading to my younger siblings and great books you know so many books not just you know the hardback books when the kids are one or two that everyone does but as the years go gone, I love you saying that on that half hour. We did have a question come in. If we could briefly take it in the few moments we have. A question comes in from Patrick. What do you do if you do live in a dangerous neighborhood and it's not safe to be outside, such as in a gang-infested area? Uh, you know, many parents are choosing video games in this instance as a solution. What do you do then?
1: Well, you know, again, a lot of us have the idea of a staycation. You know, we have a vacation, but we stay at home. Our children can have an enriched, beautiful, enriched life at home. If you need to, you know, it's not about watching TV. It's about making a a, a tent out of a blanket and, uh, and and two two chairs and and camping out. You know, in the in the living room. Uh, you know, there it's just a tiny bit of imagination, and we can push that envelope. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the that the. the, the, the the board games that the kids can play, the reading that they can do, that if, if we, we encourage that behavior, it, you know, and it, it might mean getting on a bus or getting on a car and going to another part of town to a nice park. Recent research talked about how much pleasure people got from parks. the, the mm-hmm. pleasure was on par with Christmas. The only thing that compared <laughs> with the joy people had from being in a park was the joy from christmas in this major academic study uh it was a brilliant piece of research looking at keywords on twitter and what what was associated with great joy so you know get in a car get in a bus go to a, mm-hmm. the other part of town if you have to find a park uh you know we've got we've got a little town here with a wonderful wonderful playground and we we stopped at a, a little store 30 miles away, the mom said, our kids, every time we go through your town of Muscoota, we stop in your little playground and our kids love to play there for a half an hour, every time we go through. So don't give up. Uh, Imagine that you're in control.
0: Puzzles. Yes. Yes, you know, all these things inside that can be done. We just need to have those resources available. You know, I think about the childhood memory so many of us have with the tents, the puzzles, the board games. You know, even if it's indoors because that's what's required for a safe area. Bring those things back. The video games are not the solution. Please check out Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. He's been here with us. Thank you so much, Lieutenant Colonel. Your book, Assassination Generation. We post a link on social media as well as in the podcast notes and to screenstrong.com and take the as real solutions.
1: We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to
0: Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Really neat news that came out today. Maybe you do, maybe you don't follow beauty pageants. I personally do not. However, the news hit today, breaking news that for the first time ever, moms and wives will be able to compete for Miss Universe. This comes after severe controversy surrounding a title being removed from former Miss Ukraine three years ago uh, because she was a mother. Literally lost her crown because she was a mother. Anyways, I think that it is an interesting shift uh, I hope it's something we see more of where there's not a culture that we live in uh, Where women are punished for being mothers or punished for being wives as if they don't have their priorities straight because their uh, Focus is split. They should be split. You should have a split focus if you are a spouse If you are a mother if you are a parent, especially for mothers, you know I think in this culture It's been fascinating to see especially over the last week and the uh, Front for Life, how various states pass pro-life laws and various states pass pro-abortion laws. I want to talk about this more later this week, both the Miss Universe contest, uh, allowing wives and mothers to compete, but also this whole idea that it's businesses right now, businesses, not just the pro-abortion movement, but businesses who are viscerally fighting in favor of pro-abortion laws. Why? Why? Because as they released in, in a major letter a few years ago, having a lack of access to abortion is bad for business. That's right. Companies find it has to do with the bottom line. And we have to change that cultural tide by being pro-mother, pro-wife, pro-family in understanding and supporting these ideas. And I think that the announcement of the Miss Universe contest, allowing wives and mothers to compete, again, you may not follow, uh, you know, these beauty contests either, but it does speak volumes to the importance of allowing such a thing to occur in the 21st century. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. While we're speaking of women, I do want to speak of St. Edith Stein, also known as St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross. This is a saint who has changed chased me down for years. Perhaps you've had a saint where they just keep coming onto your radar, you know next to nothing about them. And I remember about 10 years ago, finally, After hearing the name over and over again, I started to look into the writings of St. Edith Stein, and she has so many writings to unpack. She was a Carmelite nun and died eventually as a religious sister. She died during World War II in Auschwitz, along with her sister, her biological sister. But her story is phenomenal. She goes from being a Jew um, and growing up as a Jew and with that culture and religion to becoming agnostic to one day eventually becoming Catholic and a Catholic religious sister. She never had biological children, but she speaks profoundly to the role of women as mothers and how fundamental that is to us as human beings, as human beings females. And a few of my favorite quotes from her that you, if you're a regular listener here on Trending, you've heard me share and I'd like to unpack more of her writings as well today. But she said one thing and I hope that all of us take this to heart when we ponder the differences between men and women, whether someone has a child or does not have a child. She once said, a woman's soul is fashioned as a shelter in which other souls may unfold. A woman's soul is fashioned as a shelter in which other souls may unfold. I think this this very statement cuts to the very heart of what it means to be a woman, whether you have children biologically uh, or not. St. Edith Stein did not have children biologically, but she understood on a very profound level from basic human experience, from phenomenology, from, from the very beginning and dawn of human nature, the story of our human anthropology starting in Genesis, that a primary part of what it meant to be a woman was tied up to this capacity, this potential to have children and this biological reality reveals something about the spiritual reality of who we are. St. Edith Stein and Pope St. John Paul II, before he was pope, were writing and living at the same time in human history when the crisis of humanity, when humanity was being destroyed and so intensely attacked and utterly destroyed and literally through war, they were there right on the dawn of a time in the world where we would question if there even is a difference between a man and a woman. If a man can have a baby. No, a man can't have a baby, yet we still seem to be getting these headlines that men are pregnant. It's impossible. Uh, But here's the reality. St. Edith Stein, just before this crisis, was writing to the crisis that we would experience. And she says, A woman's soul is fashioned as a shelter in which other souls may unfold. Speaking to the potency that a woman has biologically, but also spiritually, to nourish, grow, protect, and advance other human beings. Not just those who are biologically entrusted to their care from womb to nursing to development, but even those who come onto our radar as women St. Edith Stein also said that uh, a fundamental part of women naturally seeks to embrace that which is living, personal, and whole. And she says, to cherish, guard, protect, nourish, and advance growth is the natural maternal yearning of all women. Do you hear that? To cherish, guard, protect, nourish, and advance growth is that natural part of the maternal yearning that all women have. St. Edith Stein, when she talks about, you know, at the dawn of, you know, as we see this industrial revolution, as we see many women who were in the workforce during World War II, because we saw many women entered into the workforce during World War II as men were away working. And so women were helping to keep the country running. And One thing that we see in St. Edith Stein's work is she talks about that place of women in the workforce and a very special gift that a woman has inside the workforce, inside the home, in the heart of human society, is that the woman prevents the rest of human beings from atrophying, from whether it be workaholism for a man, whether it be the distraughtness that children can experience, even the crisis of, as we were talking about, video games and social media and how this is leading truly to an atrophy among children with aggression, suicidality, uh, surliness, misbehavior, all of these things that are happening. That at the heart of society is the role of women in that gift we have, that potential we have for motherhood. Again, not strictly restricted to those who biologically carry and raise physiologically physiological children, but those who all of us as women have this capacity, as she says Our very souls are fashioned as a shelter in which other souls may unfold. St. Edith Stein's writings are so poignant and so relevant today in the 21st century in this crisis of femininity and masculinity. And they're relevant for us to dive into and unpack. I was just speaking to a woman earlier today who has come back into the church, praise the Lord, is having an IUD removed from her body after years of hormonal contraception, all of these things, and we were talking about, you know, her rediscovering this love for life, the gift for motherhood, and I said, read the writings of Saint Edith Stein read her essays on women that will help you to better understand the very theology and orientation of who we are as women. St. Edith Stein, pray for us. This is Timoree from Trending with Timoree. Wednesday is our weekly gentleman's hour and I'm taking your questions you'd otherwise ask your mom, your sister, and you want a Catholic take on. I'm here. We talk about everything from sports, nutrition, how important Fitnesses in our lives, but also navigating the day to day, dating, relationships, marriage, all of that. So, gentlemen, join me for my weekly Gentleman's Hour, Wednesday, 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.